podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. If you love the Big 12, then we have the show for you. The 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. Forget the SEC, forget the Big Ten, and forget national podcasts that only talk about Oklahoma and Texas. We talk about the Sooners and the Longhorns. We also talk about the Cyclones, the Cowboys, the Wildcats, the Mountaineers, the Jayhawks, the Red Raiders, the Horn Frogs, and the Bears. We love the whole Big 12, and we are available everywhere that podcasts are found. So go and find the 1012 Podcast and subscribe today. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I am your host, Andy Metz. Today, we have a lot to get to. Sorry for the break for the week. Got some family medical stuff going on that I don't really want to get too much into, but I will let you know, I did want to be here. Did want to go ahead and keep bringing that stuff to you. So we're going to actually jump in with a jam-packed episode. Still trying to keep them to about half an hour, 40 minutes, so you guys don't have to listen to me go on and on and on and on. But... Today, we are talking about a few of the NFL uh, newest players that come from the Kansas Jayhawks. We actually have a couple of them that we were able to get on the horn. I do have uh, Jordan Foote from Arrowhead Report and also the Roughing the Kicker podcast to talk about Malik Clark and his possible path to be able to make it to the Chiefs roster to stay on an NFL roster. And then, of course, Kyron Johnson. Um, you know, getting drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. We have Ed Kratz of uh, Eagles Unfiltered coming on as well, also part of the SI Fan Nation Network. And so we talk about Kyron Johnson. I did want to get somebody to talk about uh, both uh, Webb making the Jets as an undrafted free agent and then also Kwame Lasseter making the Cincinnati Bengals and kind of catch up with all of the other Kansas players that are on the Bengals roster. Unfortunately, I was not able to make those um, those two interviews happen, but we will try to still get them to get those updates, kind of figure out what the paths are for those guys to be able to make it the roster, to stay on the roster and all that fun stuff. But I do want to go ahead and we will start by getting you over to those two interviews. First up will be Jordan foot of Arrowhead report. And then we'll be, and then Ed Kratz, I will come back after we throw it to a break after both of those interviews, uh, coming back to give you some updates for the Kansas football program. And I'm joined now by Jordan Foote. He is the deputy editor over at Arrowhead Report over on uh, the SI Fan Nation Network covering the Chiefs. Also is the host of the Roughing the Kicker podcast. You can find that wherever you get your podcast. Again, also covering the Chiefs. Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm good, Andy, man. Thanks for having me on and, you know, give me the opportunity to chat. I know that there's... Uh... Never a dull moment in the NFL, you know, even when it's the offseason, there's still always something going on. Yeah, it is a little weird covering college, covering the Jayhawks. You know, there's a a very clear, you know, three month period where there's not much going on. You're just looking for football stories. And of course, with Kansas having a football program that's been the way it has the last you know decade, there's usually not a lot to talk about during the summer, which we have been trying to rectify, trying to actually find good stories. But this year, there was four different teams that picked up Kansas players. They're going to have Kansas rookies at least attached to their squad through part of the summer. One of them being Malik Clark, who was picked up as an undrafted free agent by the Chiefs, um, home hometown here. He is an offensive lineman. I know that that you know that was kind of one of the issues at least two years ago for sure was offensive line for the Chiefs. And I know last year, of course, me me being a Chiefs fan and following the Chiefs, um, it was it was definitely somewhat fixed. But you you can't have too much offensive line depth. I think we learned that yeah. a couple of years ago. So. 
Malik Clark, it's not very likely, I think, just looking at what they have, that he's going to make the 53-man uh, roster coming out of camp. But what does he have to do or what does he have to show to be able to at least get one of those practice squad spots? Uh, man, he's got to show a lot, man. I, I know that, you know, back when COVID happened, they expanded the practice squad and then, you know, you can protect people better and all that good stuff. Um, but obviously the Chiefs are bringing in guys that, even if they don't plan on keeping them long-term, they, they still needed bodies for Ricky minicamp. I mean, they, yeah, they had what, 10, 11 draft picks, but at a certain point, you know, you still need a full 11 on 11 or whatever guys that you want to come in um, and do some work with. So for him to come in, I mean, he's a guy six foot three, like he's over three bills. I mean, he's a well-built guy. Um, he played primarily left guard for his entire career at KU. Um, six year senior, right? Uh, he was yes, there for yes, a he, long, he, long time. So correct. He, he has he, the experience. I mean, it's not a lack of playing time or experience thing. Um, really kind of shaky playing time to start off, but then really for the next like four years played a ton. Um, so I think for him, he's just got to outperform some of the guys that either were just invited to rookie minicamp or signed outright as UDFAs. I know that uh, Mike Caliendo from Western Michigan, he played with Sky Moore. He was like, another guy that they're probably in direct competition to make the 53 or even the practice squad. It, it comes down to where the Chiefs, they have so many cornerbacks right now. You have to assume one of them's going on the practice squad. You have to assume a safety or two, um, probably a wide receiver or two, maybe a, a scout team quarterback. Like they only have so many spots to work with, I think. Um, so in order for him to do it, I think it's possible for sure. Um, and it's not like he hasn't played much and, and isn't experienced, um, but he's going to have to show quite a bit. And I mean, gets through training camp, gets into training camp. I mean, you're only allowed so many people there too. So um, he has a long journey ahead of him in order to advance with that, but um, nothing is impossible. So I think he'd have to impress, but he he's capable of doing that. Yeah. I guess really the main question is what does the depth look like, you know, at the guard position where he would be playing? I think our, I, I kind of get the feeling based off of the way that he played that he could play either left or right guard. And I know that that's kind of been a position that's kind of been interchangeable. Like the chiefs have moved a whole bunch of guys in and yeah. out of there and kind of use that almost as like a, uh, I don't know, kind of just a whoever's there and throw a body in. But uh, you know, it, it, it seemed to me at least coming into the off season that they felt like they had better depth there. Is the position stacked enough that it's going to be really hard for him to kind of be one of those depth guys, or are there enough question marks across the offensive line that he at least has a legitimate shot. Yeah, I I think it's a flip. It's a two-sided coin. On one hand, you know, the Chiefs are big on flexibility. So there are question marks and guys that if they don't work out at tackle, they can be kicked inside to guard or guys that if they don't work at guard. Maybe they shift to a backup center. Like Nick Allegretti brought in as a center. He actually ended up playing guard or vice versa, whatever it was coming out of college. They have guys that are capable of doing that. And they're comfortable doing it with. Um, on the flip side though, that creates a lot of competition um, along the offensive line. There's guys, even Caliendo is a guy. I think he's actually listed on the depth chart somewhere, and he's a guy that was just one of those undrafted free agent camp type guys. Um, so they have Austin Ryder. They have, you know, Wiley, guys like that, that sometimes they can slide out and, and play tackle if you're a Wiley, or you can kick inside and play guard. So it's definitely a little bit of both, I think. Um, there's opportunities for guys to come in and make their presence felt. Um, and make plays and get one of those slots. But there's also an opportunity that, you know, a guy doesn't work out at one spot, comes over to another, um, then you're kind of stressed with that same problem. 
Yeah, and of course, as much as you know, you want to try to make the with the team that you actually originally latched on. Um, a lot of this time period is really just about showing what you can do. You know, kind of putting something on tape so that way, if you don't work out with this particular team, you have an opportunity to try out for another one. So wh- whether Malik Clark actually hangs on with the Chiefs or is really auditioning to try to find a spot on someone else's practice squad, we'll just kind of have to wait to find out. Thank you for 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 jumping on here today. If people, you know, if of course, if, if Clark does make the roster, then we'll be paying atten- a lot more attention, I think, to the Chiefs because I like to keep tabs on all of the Kansas players that are in the NFL. But uh, even if not, those that that are listening that want to follow the work that you guys are doing following the, the, the Chiefs this year, where can they find all of your stuff? Yeah, so Arrowhead Report is at SI Chiefs. Always a bunch of good stuff there. A lot of good writers that we have um, constantly pumping out content. So that's always fun. Um, a lot of them with, you know, Kansas roots and ties that, that like to follow the team. So that overlap is there. Um, I'm at footnoted F-O-O-T-E-N-O-T-E-D. I also have some Kansas overlap and interests and ties. Um, so I, if you like the Jayhawks, we will get along just fine. Um, I like following them. Obviously, um, that's why we like chatting as well. So <laughs> all, all good in the hood, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. And I'm joined now by Ed Kratz. He is one of the co-hosts of Eagles Unfiltered, the podcast that covers the Philadelphia Eagles and also uh, runs the site uh, Eagles Today over on the SI Fan Nation Network. Ed, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, my pleasure, Andy. I appreciate it. Yeah, so obviously we're here to talk about Kyron Johnson. He was the only Kansas Jayhawk selection in the NFL draft. Uh, the Eagles traded up for him in the in the top of the sixth round there. Um, you know, he was getting a lot of kind of early publicity during the, the scouting combines and, uh, you know, like this, the senior bowl and stuff like that for, for that quick release that he had, like the, the quick rush that he had in, in, in some of the stuff going on there, seeing that the Eagles traded up to get him, like, was that something that they were looking at that, that speed that he has coming quickly off the ball and, you know, I know that there was a lot of talk about him being used potentially on special teams. Is that the kind of the focus of his potential path to making the roster? Well, I think I think what caught the Eagles' attention is two things. First, his uh, what he showed at the Senior Bowl. Um, he really gave some some of the tackles down there fits coming off the edge. Uh, you know, especially Trevor Penning. You know, he really kind of uh, just showed his burst off the line of scrimmage and his violent hand contact to push Penning backward and. You know, I think that caught their eye. And I, I think also how he did on special teams at Kansas, uh, you know, both general manager Howie Roseman and uh, VP of player personnel, Andy Weidel, both raved about uh, his ability on special teams. They said he had 17 tackles with the uh, Jayhawks last year. Uh, they, they love his ability, his speed, his effort, uh, and his ability to make tackles. And listen, the Eagles special teams were, weren't really special last year. So that was kind of an area that they targeted to try to improve. And now they have a good linebacker that was a pro Bowl alternate uh, kid from Temple, uh, Sean Bradley. Uh, but I think Kyron Johnson will be a perfect addition uh, to the special teams initially. Now, it's not to say that he'll forever be special teams, but he could develop into something that, you know, could land him on the field on some defensive snaps as he goes forward especially because he's learning behind a guy like Hassan Reddick, uh, the Eagles signed in the offseason as a free agent, real big pass rush specialist. Um, and, and I think he's going to take uh, be taken under Reddick's wing and learn from Reddick. Uh, Reddick, of course, was a number one first-round draft pick years ago. Uh, so I don't know if he has that pedigree, but if he can pick up some techniques uh, and learn some different uh, pass rush moves to be able to benefit – 
him as a speed player, then, you know, he may be able to get onto the field. But initially, for sure, he'll be on special teams. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's one of the things that Kansas fans saw from Kyron Johnson is that when he was beating guys on his pass rush, it was because he was just blowing right by them. It wasn't necessarily with those, you know, advanced pass rushing techniques or anything like that. Like, if he got a good jump on a guy, he was usually by him. If he didn't get a good jump, he probably got held up and was trying to make a tackle at the line of scrimmage. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with you. I don't expect him to be a guy that's a huge contributor on defense initially. But as we all know, you know, if you're a late round draft pick or an undrafted free agent, usually your best bet is either to be at a position that is a huge need for the team or you are very good on special teams. And of course, Kyron Johnson prides himself on being a special teams player at Kansas. That was one of the things he talked about that that that's how he got juiced up for a game was to be on special teams to, you know, get down the field quickly to get to the point where, you know, he can kind of get into the flow of the game there and make a big play and let that feed into the way that he plays defense. So you, yeah. you kind of talked about the need for him to, to, to develop. What does the depth at the position look like? And if he does play on defense, do you see him more as a outside linebacker or more of a de- defensive edge type of player? Well, you know, that's the interesting part is, you know, Jonathan Gannon is in his second year as the defensive coordinator here in Philadelphia. And last year, uh, he didn't quite have the pieces he wanted to play the style of defense he wants to play. He wants to play kind of a hybrid type of defense with some uh, odd man fronts, you know, some three man fronts and some five man fronts. Uh, And in those five man looks, you're going to see the outside linebackers uh, on the edges, you know, with you know, your defensive tackles like Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, and now Jordan Davis kind of manning that interior. So I think they'd probably see him more as kind of an outside linebacker, you know, maybe a stand up on the edge type of pass rusher to let him, you know, kind of be like a track, uh, you know, starting, you know, coming out of the gates as a track star, you know, get that first burst as soon as that ball snapped and give him an advantage. Um, so really it, it's going to be interesting. I think he fits in this Eagles defense. You know, the Eagles for years have been ripped for not taking a, a linebacker in the first round of the draft since like 1980, when they took Jerry Robinson uh, in the first round, they haven't taken one since uh, it's a oh, position wow. that they don't put a lot of value on, but you know, here in this draft, they took Kyron Johnson, who is a linebacker, right. By trade. And they took the Dean. So they have two linebackers. They signed, Two linebackers, we already talked about Reddick, and then they signed Kaiser White from the Chargers. I mean, that's four linebackers. And Hassan Reddick talked to us the other day, and he said that it, right now they have the defensive ends and the outside linebackers, and Kyron Johnson's one of those, meeting with Jeremiah Washburn, while the defensive tackles are meeting with Tracy Rocker, the assistant, they're in their room, and the inside linebackers are meeting with the linebacker coach, Nick Rollis. So that's a bit of a change. So I think Kyron Johnson fits what this defense wants to do now uh, with Jonathan Gannon. The only problem is, is Gannon had some head coaching interviews this past year after his first year. So, you know, who knows how long he's going to stick around and this philosophy is going to be in place, but uh, the Eagles typically don't draft guys and have them sit around. So, you know, listen, if when we talk about development of Johnson, I mean, I, we're not talking two years down the road or even next year. I mean, he's a guy that could conceivably get on the field this year as the season goes on um, because, you know, that he does fit what this defense does. Um, so he's, he's not going to be a practice squad guy. I'll tell you that. They're not going to put him on the practice squad. He's going to be on the 53 man roster. And I think he, you know, if he, if, like I said, if he can learn from Reddick and he can pick up some different techniques to how to rush a passer using his speed, 
you know, there's there's a chance he could see some snaps as the season goes on. Yeah, he is one of those guys that's fast enough that I think he could be a gunner on a special teams coverage unit yeah. if if they, you know, had no other plates for him. So I, I fully expect him to be on the roster. The question is, how much play does he get? How often does he get on defense? Because, of course... You know, while there have been a few guys that have made a had a very successful career being a career special teams guy, you know, that does that one specialized thing so well, um, I, I get the feeling that Johnson wants to be one of those, if not every down defensive guys, at least the majority of the down. So ultimately, uh, you know, that's going to be his goal. That's what he's going to work towards. But it definitely sounds by what you're saying that he is going to have a place on this roster that Kansas fans are going to be able to follow him in his rookie campaign to kind of see what he's able to do. And honestly, I'm kind of excited to see how he grows. I do think that Philly is kind of the, the perfect spot for him because of the coaching philosophy that you're talking about. And honestly, just the availability of him to be able to actually have a chance to get on the field. So, so yeah. for, for those of the, like the Kansas fans that want to follow away, where, what he does this year, where can they find all of your coverage online so they can keep tabs on him? Uh, yeah, you can just hit me on Twitter at Kratz, E-K-R-A-C-Z-E. -E. I post all my links uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can check out the site. It's uh, NFL.com backslash – I'm sorry, it's SI.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles. But just, you know, Twitter is probably the easiest place to hit the links. But I'll, I'll say one more thing yeah, for sure. about uh, Chiron is uh, he didn't do a lot of winning in his time at Kansas. And, you know, I think that's another thing that the Eagles kind of like, because he was a guy that never checked out no matter what the scoreboard read is they, he, they liked his effort play in and play out. Like, you know, a lot of guys would get discouraged by that and, you know, maybe take plays off or not invest a hundred percent, but, but Kyron Johnson never did that. And I think the Eagles saw that. And that's another thing that they liked about him. Yeah, for sure. That that was one of the things. He was a big key to the turnaround that we saw from Kansas at the end of this season that, that just happened. You know, the fact that they were able to get the big win over Texas, that, that big upset, there was a lot there. There was several plays that Kyron Johnson made, and then for them to be competitive the rest of the year, a lot of that was due to the, his leadership and his ability to kind of get after the quarterback and disrupt what the opposing offense was doing. So you're right. Like, I, I think that's one of those qualities that a lot of NFL teams are looking for. And the fact that he is with Philly and going to have this kind of opportunity, I, I am super excited about. So, Ed, thank you so much for joining me. I know that I know that we're recording this on schedule release day in the NFL. So I know that you've got a lot of other stuff to get to, but thanks again. And we will be keeping tabs on what Kyron does with the Eagles this year. Absolutely. Anytime. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Current and former athletes, members of the athletic department, and of course the best fans in the country all make up a very special group we like to call the Cyclone family. Join me, Jamie Steyer-Johnson, as I bring you closer to the people that make Iowa State unique each week on the Cyclone family podcast. Some names you may know, while others may be new to you, but one thing's for sure, this is one family reunion you won't want to miss. Each week on the Cyclone family podcast. And we're back. A big thanks to Jordan and Ed for joining us to talk about those guys in the NFL and the journeys that they have to try to make the the opening day rosters to be able to represent the, the Jayhawks in, in that in the NFL this season. A lot has happened in the college game. A lot has happened for Kansas, especially uh, in the last week or so. There was a lot of rule changes that are going to benefit Kansas in the Big 12 um, that are going to really kind of shape what we're looking at for the next couple of years for the program. And then there was also two big transfers that I think are going to have a big impact for the Jayhawks this year. We'll start with those two transfers. The transfers that we saw come in, which I was honestly uh, a little bit out of the loop on these. I was not fully expecting these 
uh, to both happen when they did, but it was great to see them come in. Marvin Grant from Purdue, he started all 13 games for the Boilermakers last season. Um, he is a safety coming into Kansas. I am looking forward to what he can actually bring. You know, he is a guy that did quite a bit um, on a team that went nine and four. And, you know, Kansas, what they were looking for and, and kind of the big story that came out of camp was that they needed help in the defensive secondary. They specifically highlighted corner as an area of need, but they also needed a second safety to pair with Kenny Logan Jr. in the backfield. So, you know, they have Grant, a guy that played for a really good, or at least a, a good, recently Purdue Boilermakers team, a team that was playing pretty well, had some pretty big wins. So this is going to be huge for them to have another guy in the backfield, or I'm sorry, in, in the defensive secondary that can really help with coverage. Um, you know, I haven't really looked specifically to see what or how exactly the film breaks down or any of that sort of stuff. But the fact that they have a guy who decided to come from the Big Ten, another Big Ten transfer coming into Kansas, you know, it's right in Leipold's backyard where he's comfortable recruiting, you know, all of the stuff that he has been able to do there. It has been really, really impressive. And look, I know that we did a whole bunch of, you know, rumors and, well, kind of talked about the rumors of the conference realignment and all that stuff. And I'm not trying to throw anything else out there and kind of revive those. But the fact that Kansas is recruiting heavily in Big Ten territory and bringing in a bunch of Big Ten guys is, I think, twofold. One, it's an area that most of the rest of the Big 12 does not actually recruit from very often. And it speaks to the style of play that Lance Leipold you know, was was well-known for Buffalo, was really well-known for at Wisconsin Whitewater. Like, there is a lot that he can get from the talent that's in that area that is going to mesh well with the way that he wants to have his team play here at Kansas. Yes, you always want to get that Texas talent that you can bring in. You want to evaluate other guys. You want to develop guys. You want to look for Kansas guys. Like, you want to do all of this other stuff. But to have a base to know where these guys are coming from, the style of football that they can play, and the traits that they bring to this Kansas team, it's great to have him going to his comfort zone to you know, kind of flesh that out. The one thing that I will say, Lance Leipold is not a coach, and the staffs that he's put together and the way that he's shown over the course of his career, he is not a guy that sticks with a particular, you know, a, a particular style of play if it's not working. But for him to find guys that he's comfortable with is going to give him a leg up, going to give him that opportunity to get to, you know, build the base of this program to get back to where they're competitive, and then he can continue to kind of shuffle guys around and figure out what he wants to do. The other thing that's super exciting, in addition to Grant transferring from Purdue, and again, we will take a look at that impact. We will talk about the safety position later throughout the summer. We do have our 100 Days of Football countdown that's going to be coming up, actually starting this next week. Um, so, so there's going to be a lot of coverage for football. We'll have a plenty of time to talk about it over the summer and as we get further updates. But um, in addition to Grant coming over at the safety position, also Jarrett Paul, an Eastern Michigan transfer, um, is also coming. He is another safety, although he is more of a hybrid player. He is a safety slash cornerback. He has played both. He has moved back and forth. In 2021, he actually kind of trimmed down and played the corner position um, as a junior. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to kind of see where they use him um, here at Kansas, but he does have the opportunity to play at multiple positions to really kind of help out this defensive backfield wherever they need it. He's a guy, even if he's not a starter, he's going to be great depth. It's going to give Kansas more opportunities 
Um, you know, so I'm really super excited. Again, I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of film to take a look at what he does, but stay tuned here. Stay tuned to, you know, all of the different sources we have kind of talking and, and all the different places covering KU to see what we can expect from these guys. It's going to be an exciting summer, kind of see what the competition these guys bring, the stuff that they're going to be able to do. So again, make sure that you are paying attention. The other thing to make sure that you're paying attention to before we talk about the rule changes is all of the great stuff that's happening over at Homefield Apparel, sponsor here on the podcast. Homefield Apparel is the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel anywhere. They have t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, a whole bunch of stuff. They have over 120 different schools. They're adding more. They're actually just getting ready to start big new Saturday season four. It's going to have a whole bunch of additional schools. Look, if you are a Big 12 fan, if you are a fan of a school that does not have it yet, is in the Power Five, I can't promise that you're at school is going to be included in Big New Saturday Season 4. But there's a very, very good chance that they will be here in the next few weeks. Um, so, obviously, us as Kansas fans don't have to worry about that. We have a fantastic line of vintage college apparel. Absolutely fantastic stuff. I love every single one of those Kansas pieces, and I own quite a bit of those Kansas pieces. I highly recommend, if you have not had a chance to go get one of those National Championship t-shirts, I do not know how long they are going to last for. I would imagine, I believe the Baylor ones are still available from the year prior, so I don't expect it to completely go away, but if you haven't gotten one, what are you waiting for? If you use promo code CHALK12, you can get 15% off your entire first order. All orders over $100 have free shipping, and I can guarantee you, you're going to find plenty of stuff over there, whether it's KU stuff or other great stuff. Look, I have a Houston... Um, you know, Shasta sign shirt. It is absolutely fantastic. I absolutely love that thing. I am looking forward to some of the other schools dropping because I know I'm going to be picking up at least another two or three shirts over the course of this summer. Uh, but you know, I, I love all of my home field apparel shirts. I do love the KU ones a little bit more because I am a KU fan, but I promise you're going to find plenty of stuff. Promo code chalk 12 gets you 15% off your entire first order, no matter how big that order is. And all orders over a hundred dollars get free shipping. All right, so rule changes. There were two big rule changes. The first one doesn't really affect the Big 12 right now because, you know, they still only have these 10 teams for this season. It will affect them next season. Um, and the discussions are currently going on about what is going to happen for the Big 12 when the four new schools next season in BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF join. What are the divisions going to look like? Are they going to have divisions? Are they going to have pods? Are they going to have just protected rivalries? Like what that's going to be? I know my my cohort over on the ten twelve podcast, Philip Slavin, is adamant about the fact that we should not do any sort of divisions. I am on board with that as well, but we won't know that for quite a while about what they're actually going to do. But the fact is, the NCAA has removed the requirement that conferences that have twelve or more teams have to split into divisions in order to have a conference championship game. Immediately upon that getting ratified. And finalized the Pac-12, the Mountain West Conference, a bunch of different conferences all basically said, okay, we're getting rid of the division format for determining who makes it to our conference championship game. Um, they will deal with how they're going to do the scheduling later. But essentially, divisions are dead in college football. Um, yes, they will probably still have some sort of scheduling divisions in a lot of these conferences until they come up with something a little bit more inventive. But the fact of the matter is... It is no longer you play half of your conference and then a, a few of the other you know teams from the other side of the conference and whoever has the best record in your half of the conference gets to go to the conference championship game. I have a hard time imagining that any conferences or at least any of the major conferences moving forward are going to have conference championship games that are determined 
by the division winners. So um, that is good news for Kansas. Um, well, it's good news for the Big 12 because it simplifies what they have to think about. Um, you know, I, I am going to be interested to see how all of this shakes out. It's also kind of just one of those things, you know, divisions we, we, we've all seen in numerous conferences, plenty of instances where one division is super strong and the other division is super weak. And then you end up having a team that doesn't really deserve to be in a conference championship game, making it there and having an opportunity to cause a whole bunch of problems. So, you know, it's happened to the big 12 to keep them out of the, the, the college football playoff a few times. You know, I don't think we have to worry about like what this does is, is make it a lot harder for a, a conference like the SEC to have to shoe in participants in the in the co- the college football playoff in the current format, just because you are going to have a much better opportunity for two really good teams, or at least the two best teams in each conference, to be competing for an opportunity to make it. So, I'm not saying that the SEC won't have two teams, but I but I definitely think that we'll get the best opportunity to keep the SEC from having two teams every single year. So, but regardless, that is not the one, the rule change that affects the Jayhawks the most. It's how, you know, this next rule change is the one I'm honestly a little bit more excited about. I, I am curious how it's going to affect the way that conference or that college football is set up right now. That I'm talking about the scholarship limit has, it's actually going away. I'm sorry. The single year initial counter limit is going away for the next two years in college football. That is the 25 scholarships per season that you're allowed to sign. This is a rule change that if it had happened even, you know, two or three years ago, it would have been absolutely phenomenal for the Jayhawks. It would help them a whole lot more then because they were in a dire, you know, scholarship situation. But essentially what is happening is for the next two seasons only, and I don't doubt that if this goes really well, if, you know, there's not a bunch of unintended consequences, which... You know, given the fact that this is college football, I'm not comfortable saying for sure that that's going to happen. But this is something that could get extended. But for the next two seasons only, as it stands right now, you know, you are not limited to only signing 25 new players that are scholarships. What that means is schools that were like Kansas back, you know, in the Charlie Weiss era, in the David Beatty era, you know, they were limited to only having 25 new players every season. So if you lost guys to transfers, if you guys lo- you if you lost guys to, you know, graduation, any way you lost a guy, you were still only allowed to bring 25 new players in. It's what made it so difficult for Kansas to get back to the scholarship limit. It's why Kansas was laughing stock in football for so long because they just didn't have the bodies. That is going away for two seasons. Meaning all of these schools that are trying to rebuild at this point, all these programs that are trying to find ways to get back to being competitive, can pretty much get as many scholarship guys as they want for the next two seasons. Now, if it only lasts for two seasons, one, I would be surprised. But two, you know, that that means that essentially in four years, we're going to have more issues, Um, you know, or I guess six years. When we get to the end of these two seasons, we're going to potentially have more issues where a whole bunch of guys will leave and they'll have to figure it out. Um, I, I personally, that's why I personally think that this is a, going to be a permanent type of change. They just only provisionally done it for the next two seasons. But the general idea here is you're not going to run into, you know, this is going to help a lot of different people. It's going to help brand new coaches that come in because they're not going to be limited by a very poor first class where a whole bunch of guys leave or a whole bunch of guys are not guys that are actually caliber for the school that they're going to be playing at. They just kind of picked whoever they could in that, you know, month or couple weeks before the early signing period in their first season. 
It's going to help them to recover from a potential bad class for the first time. It's going to help all of these schools that are trying to rebuild. It's going to help guys that get hit hard with the transfer portal. The fact that the transfer portal is now an immediate eligibility thing has already kind of caused some problems for a lot of schools where they're losing a whole bunch of guys because, hey, guess what? All of these guys can go to another school and play right away. You know, it's it's made it so that a lot more people move um, because they can play right away. It's can, it has put some coaches in a precarious position of trying to actually fill out a roster the way that they need to. And so I think ultimately this is a good thing for them. Another group of people that it's actually really good for that I wouldn't have thought um, initially, but the more I've kind of thought about it, is high school players. Because when the transfer portal was opened up and when, you know, the transfer limit or the, the, the eligibility was opened up for all transfers to be able to play immediately, the, the group of people that benefited, I'm sorry, that were hurt the most, I think, were high school players because every single one of those transfers counted as one of the 25 scholarships that were allowed in your recruiting class. And so Kansas hit the transfer portal pretty hard. Um, you know, they didn't sign as many high school players as I thought they were going to sign because they were hitting the transfer portal so hard for things that they needed. And so, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you don't have that limit, as long as you're under the 85 total scholarships, you can start to bring in a bunch of high school players again to develop them. Um, that's not really something that you were able to do if you needed to get these transfers. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's a lot of high school coaches who are really happy about this, but there's a lot of college coaches that were much, that would much rather take a college guy who has a lot of potential, has shown a little bit of something on the field, but just was at a school that was a whole lot better, you know, where he wasn't the top guy, but he's a guy that you think can make an impact on your roster. If you've seen him in a college program, you're much more likely to want him than, you know, all but the very highest rated high school recruits, because guess what? You're getting a guy who's already acclimated to college life. You're getting a guy who has already shown that he can compete on a college roster. And he just didn't, you know, he just didn't win that job. But if you have a spot for him, you, you're, you're going to have more film on him. You're going to be able to kind of see more of what's going on. And you can see how he handles that, that college, that college class load, the college degree or the, the college environment and all of that. So it was hurting a lot of high school players. I think this is going to open up a lot of possibilities for high school players, maybe not necessarily at the highest levels. Um, although I, I still, I think it's going to help there as well, but it's, it's going to make it. So now coaches at every single level don't feel like they're missing out on a potential impact player by signing a high school player that either could develop, you know, in the, for that season could potentially come in and, and contribute right away, or could be a guy that would develop. So um, really, really exciting news. Obviously, it doesn't help Kansas as much now as it could have if it had passed a few years ago, but it is still something that is really good. It's going to be really good for the sport as we kind of see this more fluid movement of guys. Um, it's just going to make sure that we don't run into a situation where the vast majority of guys that are that are new to campus every single year are guys that were on a different campus the prior year um, because at some point that well is going to run dry if enough high school players aren't actually making it to where they need to be. So um, walk-ons are going to... Uh, unfortunately not be getting scholarships as much as they were before, because now, you know, it's not a big deal. Um, if you if you don't have those scholarships before you would, I'm sorry, if you didn't have counters left before you would have to give those scholarships to walk-ons so that you could use all those scholarships. Um, but those weren't really guys, 
you know, that you were looking to give scholarships to, but you just didn't have anyone else to give them to. So, so you might as well use them. Uh, now they're going to be able to pretty much give them to whoever they want to bring in. Um, so you'll still have walk-ons. You'll still have preferred walk-on programs. I'm sorry, preferred. Yeah. You'll still have programs for preferred walk-ons to be coming to schools, but you're not going to see probably nearly as many of those, you know, walk-ons getting a scholarship story that we are used to seeing. So if that's your favorite part of college football, I regret to inform you that unfortunately that is not something that you're going to be able to see nearly as much. Uh, it's probably still going to happen, just not nearly as, as much. So, all right, I am fast entering the point where I'm just going to ramble on and on. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap up this episode for today. And hey, look, I know that this Saturday episode was uh, is kind of a little bit unusual. We are trying to get back to a normal schedule for next week. Uh, next week, I'm looking to go, get back on the basketball side. There's been a lot of basketball news as well. Um, but our, our second episode of next week is going to be football related as we kind of kick off the countdown and kind of talk about what it is that we're looking for in our football coverage over the rest of the summer. So make sure you guys get stay tuned in for all the great episodes we're going to have next week and throughout the rest of the summer. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys have not already, please do go out wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, any of the million apps that are out there. Just search for Rock Chalk Podcast so you can subscribe. Get every single episode as soon as it comes out. If you give us a rating and review, five stars and nice comments would be absolutely fantastic. If for whatever reason you can't do that, just let us know what it is we can be doing better. We really do bring the podcast to you guys, get you all the information you need in as entertaining a way as possible. So if you have any comments, questions, suggestions, people you want to try to interview, anything like that, you can contact me on Twitter at Rock Chalk Pod or by email at rockchalkpodcast at gmail.com. We are on, on the Anchor platform, so you can leave us a voicemail. Just go to anchor.fm slash rock-chalk-podcast slash message, and I promise we'll get your voice on the show. Please leave us that rating review. I really want to be reading some of those here during the summer as we gear, gear up for the next season. We are a part of the 1012 Podcast Network. All you know, There's 10 podcasts covering all the teams in the Big 12 Conference. Just go over on Twitter at TEN12Network so you can get links to all the great shows. Visit our sponsor, Homefield Apparel, promo code CHALK12 to get you 15% off your entire first order. And uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you guys next time on the Rock Chalk Podcast. Hey there, 1012 Network listeners. This is Dustin from the Scott Nolman Podcast, the original Houston Cougar athletics podcast, and the latest member of the 1012 Network. Uh, my co-host, Sam, do you want to tell the fine folks what the Scott Nolman Podcast is all about? I sure do. We come on here at least once a week and we talk all things going on in the world of Houston Cougar sports. Plus, we usually find time for some of what's going on in our future conference, our current conference, and really the college sports world at large. We're not just a football, men's basketball podcast. We really pride ourselves here on the fact that every single team that wears the Scarlet and Albino in Houston and their jerseys gets time on our show. Plus, from time to time, we bring on some guests ranging from opposing team experts to even former Olympic great Carl Lewis. So be sure to search the Scott and Holman podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And remember, we spell podcast P-A-W-D cast because we are oh so funny like that. Sports Social Podcast Network.